FC Live World Series time, game one tonight. And we will be live post-game on Foul Territory's YouTube channel. Kratz and Todd Father together. Yeah, you guys look like you're having a great time. I have FOMO. But do you ever think, Todd, we talk about the game and teams and players all damn year and go, this is it. We're talking about all of that for this one and a half week stretch right here of taking a chip, right? That's really all that matters. Like we, we criticize, we praise, we look back at things, right? Every team's trying to get better. This is it. Like this is why the game is played. This is the most important thing for, I think, most fan bases. So for me on the first day of the World Series, it's not like an emotional thing. I'm not a crier, but I'm just like, yo, we talk all year for the two teams to get to this point, period. And it's that, that nervous energy that builds up. <laughs> you're funny. It's that nervous energy, man, that stuff before. Because I used to love the stuff before the game even started. You know, the first practice on the field, the excitement of that first practice, getting on there, it's, the lights are on, you're hitting BP. Like, oh, yeah, yeah look at that. The balls are look feel like they're crispier. Feels like you're dominating even more. Hey, I'll take five more extra ground balls. I got some zip. I got my second energy here, and this is what you play for. Exactly. You don't want to go home a loser. You want to go home a winner. You break that ring. You bring it home for your city, where you're from. And guess what? There's only two teams playing right now. The brisk coolness of the air, even though Texas is in a dome and it's hot down there. Arizona, the same thing. So they're not – I take that back. They're not worried about the coldness. <laughs> uh, they're, they're not worried at all. So it's going to be short sleeves. It's going to be exciting. And there's going to be no problems, man. And we have a star-studded um, teams on both sides. So it's going to be exciting to watch them both, Kratzy. I take offense to what Scott said. I know. I was, I was going to let you go to that. I am a crier, yep. and that's okay. Okay, don't don't mock people who cry, Scott. I wasn't mocking. You're there, you were mocking. Also, you said you said I'm not a crier. Well, I am a crier. Okay, Scott. So all I said was I'm not a crier. I just stated a fact. I didn't say no, criers like, are soft or criers yeah, are See, weak you or, just said it. No, you I didn't say it. any of that. I just said hey, I didn't say any of that. If you want good mocking, by the way, Kratz, I have a treat for you in about 10 minutes. Don't tell him, but Ken Rosenthal's going to join us. You're going to love this. That's all I'm going to say, but oh, go ahead. Okay. I like it. Halloween's coming. This is, this is not just for fan bases. This is what people – Yes, fans should be super excited about their teams being in the World Series. Just baseball fans should be excited, and we need to, as a baseball community, get around the fact that this is this is our premier event. This is why we make fun of ownerships who don't try to win. We make fun of ownerships who don't try to spend. But as a player, this isn't just what you started out at the beginning of the season. This is what teams who lost are starting right now working out for. Like you think about the fact that you're freaking out of this and you got to watch other teams and it kind of hurts to watch other teams try to win the World Series. You're texting your buddies. You're like, hey, we're going to make a splash next year. If I'm Gunnar Henderson or I'm Adley Rutschman, mm -hmm. I'm texting the boys and I'm like, hey, this is what we fell short of. This should be going through Camden Yards. It shouldn't be going through Texas. It shouldn't be going through Arizona. It should be going through our house. And this is really what culminates it. And when you get to this point, and you lose, you thought the fire was there to do it before, and then when you finally taste it and you lose, oh, baby, mm. the fire is even more. So congratulations mm -hmm. to Arizona and Texas, but this is, when, this is when the other boys who aren't in this, they're amped. That's right. Uh, let's charge the damn mound. Also, I love Kratz's shirt today. FoulTerritoryShop.com. Good time to get after it. Holiday season is around the corner, but first Halloween, if you want to dress up like Kratz, just get that shirt. Exactly. Oh, it's coming. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay, yeah. so let's go right to the ticket hotness. So front office sports, which covers the business of sports, said um, they got some data from SeatGeek. The average resale price for a sold-out game one at Globe Life in Dallas, one day out, was $1,273. That is a 9% increase from the night before the Astros hosted the Phillies in game one of the 2022 World Series. Monday's game three, which goes to Arizona, has an average resale price of $1,080, get in price $735. So the demand is very solid, you know? There, there might be complaints from some fans that don't see, I don't know, some of the juggernaut franchises over the past 10 years or the market is not big enough or whatever we talked about. I don't even want to waste a lot of time on that front, but in those regions, in those markets, it's hot. 
And it's also important in most sports, in my mind, to have a difference. Like, do you, we talk about dynasties, but Todd, do you want to see the same team in the World Series like every freaking year? I think there were a lot of people complaining, like, please, no Astros in the playoffs. I think a lot of people were like, <laughs> I do not want the Astros in the World Series. And whether, you know, there's some haters, but even just for people that said, I'm sick of seeing them. I want to see a different product on the field for the World Series. You got that. You got the Rangers and D-backs. Yeah, and then you're, I mean, in this world nowadays, you're, somebody's going to say something and, and they're like, oh, well, actually, blah, blah, blah. I mean, listen, if you're good enough, it doesn't matter what team it is, to be honest with you. I'm not, I, I'd like to see different teams, of course. I'd like to see the best teams, though. I, whether it is the Astros, whether it is another team every year, the Dodgers, you know, this is great for baseball, I think, though, uh, first and foremost. It goes to show you the versatility of some other players, how good they are. It goes to show you that, you know, teams counted or players and fans counted teams out like, damn, you know, four months ago, I was like, who the heck are these Diamondbacks anyway? They don't deserve to be in the playoffs. And now they're in. It's like, yeah, see what happens, you know? So that's what goes to show you. Baseball is a crazy sport. It's hard to do. And it doesn't matter if you're the best team. You can get beat at any time, any day as possible. So for this, I think this is only better for the sport. There's going to be some names that are going to be out there that people are going to be watching for years to come. And I mean years, I mean not 10, 15 years. The next four or five years, you're going to see these guys be like, all right, well, we got Aaron Judges of the world, but we also have Adolis Garcia as well, Christian Walker, you know, uh, Alec Thomas, to name a few guys off the top of my head. But yes, this is really good for baseball, and I'm excited to see these two teams play. It's pricey, Kratz. You paying for tickets? No, but I did give my kids. We went to the World Series games last year in Philly, and I got them at the face value, you know, 250 bucks, because I worked for the team. So I'm thinking, okay, 250 bucks. That's that's a fair price. But I told my kids, I say, because I could have sold my tickets last year for 1,250 bucks. I told my kids, I said, you can have the thousand dollars, and we won't go to the game. Yeah. You can have the thousand dollars and put it in your Take in your college in your college funds, and they they go. We'd rather go to the game. So they made the right choice. They made the right choice. It's a life. It's a life. You know, something they may never may never get back to another game. And if we wanted if we wanted the same teams coming back to the World Series every year, we just call it NFL. You know, we just call it. It's not Major League Baseball. Like there's so much parity in the game. Some of it's because teams don't want to spend to continue to win, but the NFL constantly has the same teams and constantly has the like the one seed versus the two seed in the Super Bowl or the one seed from the AFC versus the one seed from the NFC. This is great. This is this should and I don't know that anything can change owners' minds about how they're going to make money, but this should encourage owners to be like we do have a shot. We do have a shot because of how we built this team. And because our coaching staff has a real pulse on our players, we have a shot at proving that we're a good team and we have a great opportunity to win the, win the World Series. And that's what I see this as. I don't see it as, you know, it's a Fox-driven thing where Fox is like, oh, this is terrible ratings. Who cares? This, yeah. is, this will overall, while the ratings may be lower this year, to me this is going to grow the game, which – can only mean more money in the pockets of owners, which is what they care about. It's gonna yeah, you got to look big yeah. picture. It's going to be a yep. great series, too, with pitching matchups and hitting matchups. I'm telling you, man, it, it, it's going to be awesome. I mean, Nathan Avaldi versus Corbin Carroll to start off the game. <laughs> I'm fired up. Who's got the edge, though? So, I mean, we'll go over locks and picks later. And I know at least one of you, maybe two, has a bold prediction, but – yeah. I was on the BetQL show this morning, and I was trying to just size up the key parts of the ball club. So help me out. Let's let's talk this out together. Bullpen, just because it's so important. Who's got the better bullpen? Right now, I would say Diamondbacks. They looked same. insane. Hotter bullpen. It's got some depth, too. So yes. I'll go D-backs. We good on that? Yep. Good. Kratz? Agreed. Okay. Agreed. Starting staff for me feels a bit like a push. I feel like you could make a case either way. If Merrill Kelly was pitching like he did against Philly last time around, I'm, I'm like, Gallon Kelly fought Evaldi, Montgomery, 
Scherzer's obviously the question mark. I could even make a case for Arizona. I don't know. I think it's pretty close. What about you guys? Push or you want to go a certain way? I'm just I'm going to go slight edge to Texas just because you're going to see those two guys four times. And I would be more worried about those two guys going four than Merrill Kelly and uh, Ga- Gallon, to be honest. Not, not by much, by slight. Okay. I thought the bullpen was more of a push, but I didn't know we were gonna oh. we were gonna fence sit. Oh, so okay. I'm right. not I'm not fence sitting here on this one at all. I think I think the Rangers have I think the Rangers have the advantage here. I think okay. they have more. I think Merrill Kelly has shown that he can dominate, but he needs a lead. Gallon I think can pitch well in any situation. I think he can pitch with a lead and without a lead. I think Merrill Kelly's stuff plays so much better. When he can attack the zone with with the with the pitches that he has, as soon as they got him a lead, he was lights out. So if he can pitch the same, that's where I think the Diamondbacks then would shrink the gap of the advantage. But neither team really has a ton of depth. But in a depth category, to me, I think the Diamondbacks have it. But I think that one-two punch, like Todd said, I really think it goes to the Rangers. But Brandon Fott's shown everything that he could sway that in the Diamondbacks' favor. Lineup, can we agree, Rangers? Rangers have a better lineup. Their yeah. offense is yeah, better. I think so, yeah. I think it all comes down. You guys hesitated on that one? That one was I don't easy know. for I, me. I was, I was thinking no. of their bottom of the lineup. I'm sorry. I was trying to remember the Diamondbacks' bottom of the lineup. And Josh, I'm thinking of Josh Young. I mean, oof. I think it's a, I think Evan it's Carter. a I think it's not as wide of a gap as you would think and it's all going to come down to plate discipline. Watching watching the film of the four games that these two teams played, the Rangers plate discipline was below average. They chased out of the zone way more than I ever saw. They were going through a funk when they played them and really their big guys besides Simeon didn't get a ton of hits against against the Diamondbacks starting staff. But an advantage that the, that the Rangers are going to have, they faced Gallon twice. Mm-hmm. They faced their ace twice. And he went four punch outs and ten punch outs in the two games that they faced him this year. As recently as, I think, August 22nd, they played. Ooh. So I think it is, it's something that plate discipline is going to come back to. It, it's going to be a huge, huge part of this series because the Rangers don't chase a lot. The Diamondbacks, historically this season, don't strike out a lot, but they will chase. So they make contact outside of the zone. And that is, to me, that's where it's going to really separate. But without that, I think the Rangers lineup is way more devastating, way more. And it's not just top heavy. It was top heavy before, and now it's not. Yeah, it's rounded out a little bit. Okay, that's fair. And that set the stage for game seven. Four for five, two homers, five RBIs, MVP. I wrote it. This guy now must be considered a superstar in the sport. And I got some comments back. Ah, 824 OPS, only ranked 20. Stop it, guys. Stop it. You don't have to be in the top 10 OPS to be a superstar. And yes, he's a flawed player in some ways, even though he's a brilliant five-tool talent. Adolis Garcia, due to the week, superstar in the sport. Let's kick off some World Series talk. That was from Fair Territory, and we'll talk more about the show after we talk to Ken. Kratz and Todd Father, I wanted to kick off the combo here. Can you give us a, a grade for Ken, 1 to 10, on how his troll impression was of people that are trying to tell <laughs> Ken Adolis Garcia is not good at ball? 10. 10. 10. Ken, I laughed out loud. I was at home. I think I was making some food, and I'm listening to Fair Territory, and I cracked up. I was like, that's the same voice I use for someone that throws a number at me that's like just with an agenda. Well, Scott, it seems every time I open my mouth or write something, I hear commentary from people that is not exactly pleasant. And that's all part of it. I get it. And people who have a right to their opinions, and they have a right to express their opinions, they have vehicles to express their opinions, but I'm going to occasionally strike back too. And I did see a comment on the article saying, yeah, it's OPS, whatever that was. And I just thought it was ridiculous and kind of missed the point. So yeah, I did my troll impression for the day. <laughs> okay. I'll, 
I'll, I'll be careful what I say here. I don't want Ken to make fun of me. Like, uh, <laughs> Ken, what do you think are the biggest storylines of both? What do you think the biggest storylines for both teams are moving into this World Series for them to tip the scales in their favor? Eric, I would never make fun of this question. It's the question that we all have right now, right? <laughs> biggest storylines, I would say, number one, how do the Rangers handle the Diamondbacks running game? The Rangers took great strides or made great strides in improving their control of the running game this year. I think last year they were 25th in caught stealing percentage. This year they were fifth. So that's a dramatic improvement. It's something they stressed from day one of spring training. So that's one. Another one to me is the Rangers lineup. And you guys were talking about this a bit in the previous segment, if I'm not mistaken. One through nine, they're really good. And they have players who can hurt you at any time. Now, not everyone has been hot at the same time. Of course, that rarely happens in baseball. But if they get going a little bit offensively like they can and have in the past, then it's a real problem for the Diamondbacks. But we just saw in the NLCS the Diamondbacks get down two games in which they were outscored 15-3 to and then come back to win four of the next five. So if you're watching, if you're paying attention, to discount this team would be a big mistake. I'm not going to discount them. I am actually looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. When I say actually, I mean in the sense that a lot of people are, eh, this is not a great matchup. No, actually, it's a fun matchup. And it's different. We have different teams in. And people complain all the time. Too much Yankees, too much Red Sox, too much Astros, too much Dodgers, etc., etc. Here you have two different teams, quite interesting teams. If you're a fan of baseball, and I said this on my show, then you should be watching. And I'm not saying that as a representative of Fox. I'm saying that as a fan of baseball. This is fun. This is what we look forward to all season long. So let's have at it. Uh, yeah, that, well said, dude. I'm right there with you. So for me, what we've been talking about, we're talking about edges. Who has the edge here? Who has the edge there? I'm curious if your thoughts on pitching, on hitting. You already talked about speed and, and running and all that stuff with the Diamondbacks. All of a sudden, the last two games they've played, they've come to life stealing bases. So who has the edge pitching? Who has the edge hitting? Rotation, it all depends on Gallon. He has not been good this postseason, really, by his standards. And the Rangers have two hot pitchers right now, Evaldi and Montgomery. Gallon and Merrill Kelly certainly can be that. They're good enough to be that. And I really liked what I saw from Brandon Fought in Game 7. To me, a kid on that stage with his stuff, doing what he did was really impressive. So... The Rangers are a bit problematic past the top two. We know that. We'll see how Max is, and that's a big storyline in this series. Again, how Max Scherzer is going to pitch. Bullpens, you probably give the Diamondbacks a little bit of an edge. They have a greater number of relievers that their manager trusts, I would say, than the Rangers do. But guys, we talk about these things before series all the time, and they never play out the way we expect. So I just i am looking forward to watching how this all unfolds. And tonight should be telling because it's Evaldi who's been brilliant in this postseason against Gallon who has not. And it's a time where Gallon really has to kind of reestablish himself. Not that he is declining in quality or anything like that, but he just has not pitched well of late. So I want to ask you about Diamondbacks roster construction. I think they're by far the more surprising team to be there, even though the win totals weren't like crazy apart and the Rangers were a wild card. I think when you look at the talent on the roster and the slip they had for a few weeks when guys were hurt, I can understand. And I'm not like looking up going, I can't believe the Rangers in the World Series. For the Diamondbacks, I am. You explained on Fair Territory some fun back and forth that you've had with the Diamondbacks front office about how they don't they don't want to get any national credit. Leave us alone. Let's just do our thing, be quiet, and then show up in the World Series, us against the world. So my question to you is, when you look at their roster construction and some of the trades that they've made, going all the way back to like Cattell Marte, who seems like the right star for them and he's affordable for them, which ones stand out to you? And I don't know if they've mentioned to you any that they're super proud of, because I know you covered this in the athletic wind up this morning. But when I look back, I'm like, damn, they've won a lot of trades. Yes. And it's interesting the way the two teams were built. Now, both lost 100 games two years ago. There have only been four other teams in history to lose 100 and then get to the World Series two years later. So we have that aspect of the matchup as well. It's astonishing, really. And it gives hope to a lot of teams maybe that have lost 100 or close to it in recent years. It doesn't have to take forever. 
What is interesting to me about that is that they've done it in two completely different ways. The Rangers in the past two off-seasons have spent more than $800 million on free agents. They were very aggressive at the deadline, adding Jordan Montgomery and Max Scherzer and Chris Stratton. The Diamondbacks have mostly been built, Scott, as you kind of alluded to, through shrewd drafting and trading. Corbin Carroll was the number 16 pick overall in 2019. 16. That was a great draft, admittedly, and some really good players went above him. But the 16th pick, if you had a redraft right now, he'd probably be in the top three. So that's one area where they've really excelled. Alec Thomas, they've got a number of homegrown guys. Fought is another one. They've also made, as you mentioned, some shrewd trades. Cattell Marte was an interesting trade at the time, remains interesting to this day. If you remember, Hanniger and Segura went to Arizona. Cattell Marte and Taiwan Walker went, I'm sorry, those guys went to Seattle. Taiwan and Cattell went to Arizona. Worked out well for them. They've done some other things as well. The Gabriel Moreno trade with Lurie Goriel. That has worked out really well, at least in year one. I still think Dalton Varsho is going to be a good player for Toronto, but this year, no question, win for the Diamondbacks. Zach Gallon for Jazz Chisholm. We can go right down the line. And it's been a lot of that with them. Paul Seawald was another trade that they made at the deadline. That's kind of how they've done it. They've got Corbin Carroll on a $111 million extension, Marte on a $76 million extension. Those are their biggest contracts. Their one big free agent in recent years was released. That's Madison Bumgarner. So from that aspect alone, it's really interesting to see these teams kind of clash in this way because they are different. Now, the Rangers have Josh Young and Evan Carter and Leote Tavares. These are homegrown guys themselves, but it's not the quite – not quite the same bent as Arizona. So you're classifying this as the build versus rebuild series? They were both rebuilds. They just rebuilt a little bit differently. And Texas was very, very aggressive and will remain aggressive, I believe, in the years to come. They play in a pretty big market. The Diamondbacks do too. People forget this. It's not a big market by baseball standards. I don't really understand why. But – Phoenix is one of the 10 biggest cities in the United States. It just, by baseball standards, is a low-revenue market. They don't spend like the Rangers do. The Diamondbacks had a bottom third payroll. The Rangers were, I believe, top six, something like that. So that's a difference in the way these two teams have operated. Is there a chance we see Evan Longoria getting benched in this series? Because the games that he's moved to DH – They've kind of downgraded their defense. And I understand, you know, it's a lefty on the mound, but we're going to see Montgomery at least twice in this series, if not a game seven Montgomery. It seems like how he's been producing isn't, isn't in step with how the rest of the team's been producing. And when he's DHing, there's a downgrade in right field with Tommy Pham dealing with that turf toe. Yeah, certainly, Eric, they can play it that way. And it would not shock me to see. Evan Longoria not play a major role. It's kind of the way it's been in many ways. Tori Lovello has basically done what he felt is best or feels is best for the lineup. And we saw that in the NLCS when he did bench Tommy Pham in game five in favor of Pavin Smith. Tommy Pham comes back in game six, hits a home run. One thing that happened during the Diamonds, Diamondbacks 7-25 and 25 slide is that Lovello got more aggressive, for lack of a better term, in confronting his players, in holding them more accountable, both publicly and privately. And some Diamondbacks people feel that was kind of a key to them coming out of it, that he finally said, hey, enough's enough. We have to do certain things a certain way. They were making too many outs on the bases, just kind of screwing up in a lot of different ways. So given that, and given that he has kind of taken a step forward in that accountability aspect, I don't expect him to do anything but what he feels is best for this team. Okay, so one more con kind of... You go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Todd. No, 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 you're, you're right. Go, you're, you're up. Okay. Um, so what, I just had one more big picture World Series question for you, Ken. So I think the Rangers have star power. I think the complaints wouldn't have been there, obviously, if the Phillies were in. But even we could have picked other teams, of course, Atlanta, L.A., etc. I don't think the complaints are... Like, I think... You know, Ivaldi and Montgomery are known, and Adolis Garcia certainly made himself known now. And Corey Seager's been a star and had one of the best seasons this year. I'm just wondering if there's any way that 
the marketability of a team like the Diamondbacks can improve? And, and you know, your thoughts on why the attention is it there? Does it have to do more with the market? Or, like, do you go player by player? Corbin Carroll is a star, but he's pretty reserved and quiet. And he's a rookie. It's his first season. We'll see how he, you know, kind of expresses his personality going forward. I'm just kind of looking at the roster being like, what's here? What can we highlight? What can people attach themselves to if they don't really have a horse in this race and they don't care? I don't know if if you've seen anything on that front. Because for me, like, Zach Gallen stands out. He's been one of the better pitchers in the league for a while. He's one of our best interviews when we bring him on here. He threw all kinds of shade on social to fans um, in Philadelphia. So, like, why can't we elevate him? No reason. He's going to be a top five Cy Young finisher, I expect, this year. And he is a star. Corbin Carroll is certainly a star. Cattell Marte is a star. He's been an all-star. Now, these are not guys who are in the national consciousness, necessarily. Arizona plays in the West, and... A lot of people in the East don't see these teams enough because they play later at night. It's simple reality. But those are really good players, the three we just mentioned. And you've got others like Alec Thomas who are kind of coming on. And Christian Walker has been one of the better players in the league for a while now. He'll be highlighted, I'm sure, in this World Series. So when you talk about a star, there are all kinds of ways or paths to stardom. And obviously the best players are stars naturally. But... The better players in the bigger markets, they get more attention. Perhaps being in the World Series will change that some for the Diamondbacks. It certainly should. And the other thing that I like about this, Scott, is while they don't have big superstars per se, even though Carroll probably fits into that category now, the beauty of this team is it's a team. And they have combined and bonded as a group and played a certain way without fear that has gotten to to this point. So I admire them for what they've done. We all value teams so greatly, right? We all like the idea of a team coming together and achieving perhaps more than they thought it could. So that's who the Diamondbacks are. And there's nothing to be ashamed about with that. Now, Dusty Baker, I want to skip, uh, skip gears here to him. Uh, Played for him. Uh, You know him very well. Hall of Fame, historic career. One of my mentors, a guy that's been doing it for a long time, years and years and years as a player, as a manager, Hall of Famer now, of course. Um, Talk to us a little bit about him. Any funny stories you got with him? You know, just stuff over the years where something like, you know what, this guy is just class act and it's a story I'll tell from here on out. I've got two. And a couple of years ago, actually it was about five years ago now, Todd, 2017, 18 in that range. 17 it must have been. I was in need of back surgery. And I was kind of hunched over when I was walking. Not greatly. It was kind of slight. But somebody who knew me would have noticed it. Hardly anyone in baseball noticed it. One day in Washington, when Dusty Baker was managing the Nationals, walks to the end of the dugout. I'm in the photo pit adjoining the dugout. And he says, this is in the middle of the game. He goes, hey, man, what's wrong with you? What's going on, man? And I explained to him that I had this back condition. I had scoliosis as a kid. I had surgery. need no more surgery to kind of straighten myself up again. And the fact that he noticed it to me in the middle of a game, came up to me and talked about this, it just kind of speaks to who Dusty is. He's a very empathetic person. He is observant as unbelievably so. That stood out to me. And then the following year, I guess by that point he was out as manager and working for the Giants as a scout. I had had the surgery February 15th and was out for like five weeks. My first time out of the house, basically, was to interview Dusty in Annapolis, Maryland. I live in New Jersey. My wife had to drive me to Annapolis because I still wasn't 100%. And I sat down with Dusty for an hour. We had lunch. And I just kind of wanted to pick his brain on different issues in the sport. Things were bugging me about the sport, and I wanted to ask him about it because he always has such a good sensibility about all that is going on. So I did the interview, and when I was done with the interview, it was an hour long. I thought, I don't know, man. I don't know if I have enough here. I don't know if this is any good. It was kind of all over the place. And then I transcribed the tape, and he was brilliant. I didn't realize it at the time, but when you put it all together, it was brilliant. And it was one of the better read things I've done for The Athletic. People loved it because he just had such 
unusual original insights into different issues in the game. So those are my two favorite Dusty stories. And also, it was just cool last year to see him finally get over the hump and finally win a World Series after all the heartbreak and the playoffs and all that he had gone through. You can name a number of times where he was so close. So he's someone who is legendary in this game. He's someone who means a lot to all of us who are in the media or any way associated with sport. And I just love the guy. I had a great positive relationship with him, but pretty much everyone did. He's an honest guy. He's connected. He makes that connection. And that's, that's, you know, that, I, I, that speaks volumes. So for you to say that about him, that just, you know, goes step, step in step with what other people say about him. But we're going to go to somebody who maybe has not always been the most honest. And sometimes I, I like, I can't stand, I can't stand anonymous sources. I can't stand, but I get it. That's part of the, you know, that's part of how you have to write stories. That's how you have to get information because not everybody wants their information out there. But I know somebody was kind of clapping back at you quietly saying, oh, these anonymous sources about this and that about my organization. And it all comes to light that these people were correct, that the Padres, there was a disconnect. Can we as a Padres fan ever believe what A.J. Preller says? A.J. Preller, who has gone through six managers in 10 years. Can we believe him from here on out? I don't know that I would go that far, Eric, and I'll give you the background on this. I wrote a story with Dennis Lynn of The Athletic about the Padres. came out September 19th, and there were a lot of anonymous sources. There were people who detailed the problems with the organization, how there were many issues going on, one of which was the relationship between Bob Melvin, the manager, and A.J. Preller, the GM. And one player who asked to remain anonymous said their relationship was unfixable. Then the Padres, of course, missed the playoffs. A.J. Preller holds his end-of-season news conference, as most GMs do, and says Bob Melvin's going to be back. He's our manager. And he also says, and I don't put much credit in reports with unnamed sources, etc. That's fine. You don't have to put much credibility on those reports. But it turned out that that relationship was unfixable. And how do we know? We know because the Padres let Bob Melvin go with one year left on his contract to take a job with the San Francisco Giants who gave him a three-year deal. That's how we know. If the relationship is so good, Bob Melvin is back, and he's back to fulfill the final year of his contract with a team that should be quite good. And the only reason I said anything is because when you try to discredit what we do, and listen, we're not perfect either, but when you go out there publicly, and say, you don't put much credibility in this stuff. And then what happens is what we reported. I'm sorry. That needs to be called out. Yep, do you feel like agreed. There, yeah. Do you feel like there should be an apology, Ken? Do you feel like no, that's no, – or no? No, I, no, no not like that? that. No, Paul. I, I don't operate like that. And listen, yeah. a few years ago, I'll be upfront about this. I reported that the Max Scherzer trade was close to the Padres. didn't turn out to be true. And I had to wear it. And – A.J. Preller handled that professionally with me, and we sort of joke about it from time to time. It wasn't good at the time. It wasn't good at all. One of the low points of my career, to be perfectly honest. But these things happen, and we go forward. There's no need for an apology or anything like that. But I felt when he said that, okay, if you're bringing Bob Melvin back, okay, and the relationship improves, all power to you. But as I wrote, actions speak louder than words, and the actions were clear here. And anonymous sources are awesome because sometimes they'd be fired if they actually put their name on it. So <laughs> well, we need that. Uh, here's All right. I, I know a lot of people like Eric don't like anonymous sources. I don't blame them. I'd much rather have people on the record at all times. But sometimes because matters are so sensitive, people are not willing to speak on the record. And if you want to get at what is going on, you have to use anonymous sources. And you have to be careful. Because people have agendas and sometimes they're operating from a position of that, of that kind of thing. But at the same time, anonymous sources are necessary often to get to the bottom of a particular issue. I'm with you. Ken, awesome. Well stated. And thank you. And have fun. Enjoy. Enjoy the night. I'm sure we will, man. Thanks. Th thank you. And Fair Territory is out there right now. RFT insider Ken Rosenthal.
talking about the series, of course, more on this San Diego story and a lot more with Grill and Ken on a number of topics. So we went over the Players' Choice Awards last week, the finalists. The show with the announcements is coming up right here on the FT YouTube channel next week. We'll have some special guests. We'll go over everything. It's going to be great. So right now, leading up to that, we're going to break down finalists. And today we have our Players' Choice Awards category breakdown sponsored by Candy Digital. So let's get after it. NL Outstanding Rookie Finalists. Spencer Steer versus Kodai Senga versus Corbin Carroll. Now, this category is probably easier than most based on what Carroll put together. The only thing I'd like to point out is how you guys break down a position player versus a pitcher going up in the same award, right? Because like we can look at a few things. Like The war for Corbin Carroll, obviously, is an all-around player, was at 5.4 this year. Kodai Senga had a 4.5 war, which was third, I believe, in the National League, yes, for pitchers. He had the second-best ERA in the National League. I mean, he had a sub three ERA by a couple points. That is that is a really ridiculously good year for Kodai Senga. 166 in the third innings, 202 strikeouts. I'm not saying he should win the award. I totally get what Kyle brought to the table. But curious for you guys how you look at you know a position player versus a pitcher when you guys are voting in categories like this because you guys have voted for these and Todd Father's got a, a little award on this category. No big deal. <laughs> Thank you, you man. Appreciate that. We'll bring that in next time. Um, <laughs> It's tough because at the end of the day, they're only they're only playing five every five games. And I, I think, you know, is that harsh for me to say? No. I mean, that's just part of it. They have one bad outing. They go like two and third, give up, you know, seven, eight runs. It kind of hurts you a little bit when somebody when you're hitting, you go over 15. All of a sudden, the next time you're four for your last six and then have a really good game. Like it's it's more opportunity for hitters. It's less opportunity for pitchers. You know, you, you got to be close to a Cy Young, I, I, I got a feeling you got to be a playoff team. That's part of it a little bit. I think that helps. I don't think it hurts you. But um, I would say Corbin Carroll just had an unbelievable year this year, man. I was looking at some of his stats. Uh, you know, it just – the stolen bases helps too. I mean, I, I think people need to understand that too with the the way it's going. He had a lot of stolen bases. And, you know, what he's – I know the award's not playoff base, but what he's doing in the playoffs is pretty phenomenal too. So, like I said, it, there is a little part that plays in making the playoffs. I think he carried this team a little bit, and I would I would vote for him. I mean, I think both those guys, I think Carroll and – Carroll and Kodai, unbelievable years. You know, side by side, you sit there and you go, okay, the wars are – they're actually not close. Like, one war is an absolute – like, that's a huge gap between them. But let's say they were close. They're both going to be top top 10 in their respective positions. I think in the fact that Carroll's going to get top 10 MVP votes. Kodai is going to get top, maybe even top five Cy Young votes. I, I haven't quite looked at it, but he's definitely going to be top 10 Cy Young votes. So my thing is, what's the separator? The one dude is actually first into the league. The other dude played in a professional league for quite a few years. So as a voter, as a player, ex-voter, the whole fact that Kodai is 30 <laughs> years old right now, I'm going to definitely, I have a, rarely will I, when it's this, when it's this close or when it's close, rarely will I pick the super older guy, unless it's a guy that, you know, was snarled in the minor leagues for a long time. And then he finally made it up. But Kodai has been doing it unbelievably in Japan for a long time. To me, I need to see, I need to see Carroll win this, and I wouldn't even think twice about Kodai. Not that he didn't have a good season. I just think Kodai's. Also, I had plus four hundred on Corbin Carroll to win the Rookie of the Year, so I need to get all those votes pushed nice. that way. Nice. Nailed I had, it, baby. I had Same. Senga. I, I had Kodai. So you had Senga. Yeah, I'll be, I'll we did be, well. I'll think about it. There's point. a lot of rookies, right? Like we did well. I mean, it's not easy to pick those awards, and Carroll definitely look like he could do some damage. And then you're looking at the rule changes. And of course, if you you know have been with us since the beginning, you're listening to Todd Father say how stolen bases are going to skyrocket because we knew they were going to go up. But I think most people didn't think they were going to go up this much. So Corbin Carroll dropping what? 50 was the number? Two. What was the final number for him? 52? 52? 54. 54 stolen bags, 116 runs. Every each year. Just like Forrest Gump said. 25 dingers. Just like Forrest Gump said. 
I was running. I was running. So it's hot. And lastly, on this one, I think there are plenty of other seasons where Spencer Steer might win the yeah. award. I mean, Kratz loved him. Dude was the MVP of the Reds as we were at the ballpark there about a month and a half ago, and most players told us that. Multiple positions, consistency, kind of giving you a little bit of everything with the bat and with the offensive game. So he deserves to be on this list too. And yeah, some years you win. Corbin Carroll's a bit of an outlier. Like he's an MVP candidate, not just a rookie of the year, not sure. just a you know most outstanding rookie award kind of guy. Here's here's a here's a not a comp. I mean, kind of a comp, but Tyler Naquin got second in Rookie of the Year voting. Kind of like Spencer Steer is going to get second or third here, most likely third in this. And this isn't Rookie of the Year. This is player's choice, and it's voted on by the players. It, it'll be a big year next year. I'm excited to see what Spencer Steer does because I've been banging, his, banging the drum. He's, he's enabled himself to be a versatile player on a team that, in my opinion, will make the playoffs next year if they get a few starting pitchers. But after this, after this, like, how do you bounce back? Tyler Naquin got it in 16. He was second in rookie of the year. They don't give a trophy for second place. But he was in AAA. We played together in AAA for quite a few hundred at-bats. So for Spencer Steer, he's not guaranteed to be in the big leagues. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds where just two – Two players ahead of him on the voting, Kodai is going to be one player ahead in second place, and he's got his contract that he came over here with, and Corbin Carroll's got his $111 million contract. So you're talking about three really good players, and Spencer Steer could have won it, like you said, Scott, in any other year, but he didn't. Now he's got to, now he's got to keep it up. What have you done lately? Where's your trophy? Where's your trophy, Top Father? You, you going to bring it next week for the I show? Will bring it, I will bring it next week. It, it, if Eric is that near that trophy, I will punch you. That one's, <laughs> that, one's in his, that one's in his mountain house, his New Jersey mountain house. Never. Oh. Don't have, don't Actually, have mine, my, my trophy, my Player's Choice trophy is in my New Jersey mountain house. Oh. There's no mountains in New Jersey, so I have a mountain. there's no house. No, hey. and there's no award. But there is a real award for Todd Father. So. Got no awards for Kratz. Trophies. Just like Drake said. You got hats, Kratz. I got hats. Oh, I got hats. I got. Look at this fancy thing. The Player's Choice Award Show special is on Foul Territory's YouTube channel. And you can watch it November 2nd, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We will premiere it. You don't want to miss it. We'll lead up to it with conversations like this. The show is sponsored by Candy Digital, and Candy is your official destination for MLB digital collectibles. You can collect, buy, sell, and earn rewards like meet and greets with MLB stars, game-used gear, signed memorabilia, and a special offer hot off the presses for the FT fam. Candy is offering free MLB team packs, so go get your collection started at go.candy.com slash pack. Again, go dot candy dot com slash pack i don't feel like i have to spell any of those words out they're pretty simple go dot candy dot com slash pack and a little bonus for you guys we're going to set up our our candy accounts okay so we'll talk about it next week we'll, we'll get that. set up this weekend get ready for <laughs> you're it you're gonna have to help me with it i'm fired up though go dot candy dot go dot pack go dot candy dot go dot slash pack no now you're confusing them go dot candy dot com slash pack slash pack slash pack Yes. Thank you very much. All right. Hey. Next up. Let's... Hey, let me, can I ask you something real quick? No, this of course is you can. Would you, would you, we're talking about singing. Would you be like obliged? Would you be upset if I came out and did like a couple Christmas songs, like went to a studio and did some songs? Like I'd be offended them? if you didn't. Right, yeah, so I would, I would be offended I think, if I, you didn't. I think I'm going to give that to my wife for Christmas. I mean, now she knows. No, she she doesn't watch. She doesn't watch the show. No, she she's not watching. She's driving right now, so I can say she doesn't watch. She she won't go back and watch it. So, but I've been thinking. I got a guy. Like I want to sing two like Christmas songs. Well, I used to sing on the bus. I used to make songs. I used to write songs and sing on the bus. So maybe I could write. Maybe I could write you a love song. Original Christmas songs. Like I bet one's Frank Sinatra. You think you're Frank Sinatra? I'm not gonna. He does. 
He does. Frank, Frank he did the, he did the Christmas songs, but oh, did he? Like he sang the ones that they always sang. He, oh, he never he? made up his own. I, I, I don't think nuts he did. Roasting on I'm not doing that one. I'm doing. I'm You're gonna do originals though, right? Yeah, Todd, just, You're just not making up your own. Yeah, no, do the good one. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not that that good. Yeah, okay. I would be offended yeah. if you didn't do it. Right. We'll play. Now it, it has to happen. Yep. And right. also, I've been told behind the scenes that you should probably still provide an additional gift, probably a physical gift. You know, Whoa. that's no. that's also what? there for the holidays. I that's, mean, that's been suggested. That's, I, I am not the expert on that category. Some people behind the scenes are like, maybe, maybe another present as well, in addition well, to the tunes. Yeah. Listen, it's love. It comes from here. I would it's say, not. like, you know, maybe a nice bottle. Not the thought that counts. Nice bottle of vino so that you can yeah, kick no. back on the chair. No. It's no. Not as a gift. Not as a gift. <laughs> no. We'll talk about that once Christmas comes around. I'm, well, we'll see. We'll see what we get. You ain't giving your wife a bottle of vino that no. she's going to go to the cellar and get anyway. So I don't have a, <laughs> a wine cellar. I'm either. saying she needs she needs to maybe you know have a beverage while she said I have listens a mountain to house in a wine cellar. Todd she needs she needs earplugs if Todd's God, singing it. Sorry, we, <laughs> you're going to hear really. I'm telling you, I was in the choir for two years, brother. Oh, wow. Two I'm going to break this trophy. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Touch it off soon. Uh, here we go. Sorry. I just, I was just thinking. No, that. Yeah, I don't know that was good. Yeah. That was good. I needed that. It's Friday. So we have a few yeah. more minutes. Let's look ahead to the World Series. And first of all, I'll remind everyone a couple more times after every World Series game, Foul Territory will have a post game show. That includes tonight, game one. Can't wait. So let's talk about Shade. Mm-hmm. Zach Allen leads in that category. And. We'd like to run his lines. Like I said to Ken earlier, he's a star. He's a star speaker too, you know? I think we need to promote guys like Zach Allen. He's on that list now for me, like the Rowdy Telez list. So no doubt. Zach Allen no doubt. was having a good time on social with Philly fans, and this is what he said about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this will be the only time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address that. But for me, that was just, um, you know, growing up in that in that area and, and knowing how – the Philly fans operate. Um, I don't know. I just there was there was a lot a lot of mentions of people in, in my DMs and stuff like that. So I figured you know they were they were talking they were talking junk. Um, so I just figured if they want to you know talk junk to me, I'll just I'll say one back. Um, and I feel like being from there, I knew how to hit them the hardest. Uh, so that was my thought. Um, but yeah, that's that's the end of that. This is this is a new thing. That's that's over with. And they he said was, there wasn't a perfect answer. Come on. That's the perfect he, he answer exact, just now. Exactly right to a T because I say the same thing. You know how them Philly fans are. Good for him. It was, a, it was great. It was solid. He's from the area, as we know. We know how those Philly yeah. fans are. Yeah, no that's doubt. why he's a le- – like sometimes, I mean, that helps his cause though, right? Like to, <laughs> to get the rest he's of, been there. Yes. of yeah, he's the been crowd there. on your side, he's like, he's, I'm from here, so I can get after no, it, right? But, it's but, the same thing. If someone talks shit about your, your, where you're from, um, you, you can get offended, especially someone like Top Father. If they're from there and they're just like, I really don't like this, like it's an easier sell because they grew up around that spot too. Let, let me explain two days ago when I was on because – why are you guys like, oh, Paul Seawald writing all this? This is great. And that's what I said. I said, ah, I know who he is. Like, like for one, that was part of why I said it wasn't. I thought it was kind of cheesy. He's not from the area for one. And for two, he was just on that team, which I said before. But this guy's <clears throat> been there. He's been around these fans. He knows these guys. And he understands the type of atmosphere it is. They're going to talk smack. And you're going to talk back. And they wouldn't, Kratz, you know, this, they respect you even more for coming back at him for, for the most part. Oh, this guy's got some cojones. He's got some balls talking shit to me. Let's go. I love this. So next time they play, they're going to keep the receipts. And if they win, they're going to come back. And Zach's going to be like, that was pretty good. Absolutely. Respect. It's not not necessarily thick skin. It's just somebody being like, just being honest. Like there's a connect. He he understands what it's like to be a fan in this area Uh and what it means now as a player to him. To me, this is what is helpful to the game as far as like connecting fans to players. Now, this is a pervasive thing in high school. This is like, and there's a complete difference in what Zach Gallen did and 
high school kids <laughs> posting like trolling other high school kids because that that gets to the point of bullying. Like exactly. if you go down to a stadium, you go down to Citizens Bank Park, and you stand outside of the bullpen, the visitors bullpen, which is on the top, as that gallon is warming up, some of the things that are said oh. Oh. are ruckus. Oh. They are they are strong, and whether or not they got to his core. He heard it. He's a professional. And if he says nothing about it and just jokes with his buddies, that's one way. But he did a good job. In my opinion, he did a really good job of hitting back at him. And he did a really good job of answering. But he was given the opportunity to be real. You've seen him on this show countless twice now. Yeah. And that's the connection that you can have as a fan. Hey, I know I got to Zach Gown because, you know, do you see those? Do you see those? Those gifts, those memes that he yeah. posted, yo, that was pretty good. Like, that was, I'd, I'd buy him a cheesesteak. That was because of me. Like, I'd probably give him Tony it. Luke's, but you know, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't give him Geno's, but oh, oh, oh. I would definitely buy him a cheesesteak if he came. You know, Zach Gowan, he's my guy. He's from Somerville. I think that's where he's from, right? <laughs> South think, Jersey. I think so. Yeah. No. That's, no. Somerville? No way, dude. The Somerville's near where I grew up. <laughs> I know. God, I was he, trying to see if you were paying attention. <laughs> no, he's from down. He's from down south of the uh, AC Expressway. I'm looking. I'm looking. We dropped a summer. Summerdale. Summerdale. You weren't trolling yeah, me. You said. Hey, you I just knew. Got, no, I just no, knew Somerville. Got, hey, listen. Dude, I met your whole family when we went out to Newark. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Summerdale. Which I've never even yeah. heard of, but summer, it's in South Jersey. Jersey. I know when I looked it up on the map, North it's, Central Jersey. It's south of the south of the AC Expressway. That's all. I, it's a down, yeah. not not all the way down to Millville or nothing like that. But but it's summer there's, day. There's a, you know, there's a, go ahead. You know how there's like a, a hundred fifty mile radius of people that say they're from Philly, right? Like, you know, crap. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm from Philly. I live yeah. I live thirty minutes and you're outside. You're like, oh, you're not. twenty minutes away. <laughs> I mean. There's people. It's like almost two hours away. They're like, I'm from Philly. I'm no, like, yeah, you is... might say that in Europe, but like, if you're in America, like, yeah, you're from Jersey. You're from South Jersey. Like, is is Summerdale considered like one of those Philly suburbs or no? Yes, it yeah. is. I mean, okay. it, it's right across. It's right across the bridge. And I was wrong. It's actually just north. It's just north of the. So like, he's shoot. He's bumping. He's bumping right across the the Walt Whitman there, and he's getting home in 15 minutes. Like. But yeah, but it's in Jersey, right? It's in Jersey. It's but in Jersey. It's, uh, that area, people always say, "Hey, I'm, I'm right outside of Philly, man. I'm, I'm yep. Philly." Yes. When you live in Jersey, man, I don't like it, but do what you do. Oh, you don't like that? No, I don't. You don't like that because you, you got to represent where you're from, kid. Yeah, but dude, you live by I the agree. beach, like huh? South Jersey. Just because you don't Just say I'm from South Jersey. That's it. Uh, I don't you know. Got, my it. guys, my guys got. Hey, if you got traffic from the city, you're near the city. I'm not saying you're not near it, but you're still in Jersey. Uh, he's a Philly guy. He he exudes Philly guy. Oh, I'm not saying he, he he's doesn't. not. I'm not saying he doesn't. He's, he's not fumbling New Jersey. He's not fumbling over his Wawa order. He doesn't <laughs> okay? have traffic you from the city. There's no traffic in station. Summerdale. There's no traffic in Summerdale. Like yeah. I grew up technically with no traffic and get into New York City in 35 minutes. My town, my specific town I grew up in called Warren, small town in North Central Jersey, oh, man. is not. I don't say I'm from New York City, and also That's we not. don't have traffic from New York City. Yeah, eventually if you're on the highway, Nobody, maybe going to the tunnel, yeah, but not a good. Nobody point. wants. Not a good point. No. Nobody wants to say they're from New York City. It's that's why people want to say they're from Philly. It used to be the capital of the United States. But we didn't say we didn't say that. That's it. People do say that. I know, and they should. But that's fine. something to be proud of. I'm not. I'm not arguing. Nobody's nobody's proud of being from New Jersey. I am. What are the What are the sports What are the sports teams from New Jersey? That New Jersey proud? Nets, oh, New Jersey heart. Devils. No, the Nets aren't even in New Jersey anymore. I know, but Brooklyn they used Nets. to be when I grew uh, up. We're getting shafted. I can, go, I can go on this subject forever because it should either not. be the Jersey Let's Giants not. or Jersey Jets. But we'll, Let's we'll, not. We'll go. Yeah. I would like to do one day in the offseason just like an hour show with Todd Father just getting deep on no, Jersey. I feel much. like that would hit. Like where too we much. get deep on what it's all about. Kratzy, nobody even, have, nobody I'll, even I'll, writes I'll a Kratzy believing in the Jersey Devil here in about five Nobody minutes. even Nobody even writes a, songs about living in New Jersey. <laughs> yes, they do. Like, <laughs> they talk about it all the time. Hey, yeah. listen, hey, you I'm have from... a buddy. Everybody you've met, and you bring up, oh, I got an uncle from there. Or, or you know, everybody has an affiliation to Jersey. 
Yeah, because that's what you remember about them. Because they're like so their eyes, their right, eyes are so, crossed, and you're like, oh yeah, cross-eyed so, guys from New Jersey. So do you remember any, anybody? All the buddy. Oh yeah, I got a buddy from Pennsylvania. Yeah, he lives in, in the boonies up there. No, nobody talks about Pennsylvania. Like when you, oh, you're from Jersey. Oh, let me tell you something about it. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a member, a, a family member. Yeah, everybody says, man, that's the one state I never want to go back. I've to. heard, I've heard that before. That's fine. That's <laughs> Don't fine. come here. We're, we're, we're not That's inviting. <laughs> Yo, property is already expensive. Property no, taxes is, is no already doubt. crazy. We don't, no it's doubt. good. Everyone stay in your states. And I'm not, obviously I left. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time Jersey, there. Best center to ever play. I, 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 I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop Derek Jeter. <clears throat> I'll just, I can't. Jeter's <laughs> from Michigan. What born? Where was he born? So what? So the hospital had him for like six minutes. How many? Nine minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, man. here we go. Let's, Let, go. let's, let's slap, baby. Done. Let's I'm slap. Needed to get that off. Oh, the meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> it's ready oh, in five. Good. End early, baby. All right, so here's the deal. We'll be Never back. What she's doing. For everyone to know. Um, so the game is about eight o'clock. I think first pitch is like eight oh seven or something like that. Let's so. go. Yeah, gotta get gotta get the all the I shoot, I lost what I was gonna say. Get the best. How many get times have I done that? How many times have I done a show? I go to say something and I lose it. This is why it's going to be great for our boy Frankie making him out of context. The other day, I tried. <laughs> the other day, yesterday, that I tried to figure out. That was solid. I tried to figure out Lorenzo Cain was coming up with the Brewers, <laughs> traded to the Royals, went back to the Brewers, and my mouth was just like it was not connected to my brain at all. So, you're welcome, Frankie. I make it easy for you. <laughs> Me too. I make it way too easy. <laughs> We got you, all right? I'm going to have a Talk beverage later, and then we're going to watch the World Series. Yeah. We're going to come on right afterward. Mm. We'll do about a half hour. We'll take questions. Mm. We'll go over player of the game, the whole deal. So tune in Let's for that, that a little out bit there. later Let's on. Let's get that out there online here. I That's can't what I want to... people to know. We'll we'll make sure we promote it pretty hard. The, yeah, the crowd's too. been building up pretty good, too, because people are like, um, I need a little Real Talk post-game show. This is the I'll... spot. We'll be watching. We hold everyone accountable, okay? Like, <laughs> hey, what, who's the ump tonight? Kratz. DJ Rayburn. DJ. DJ Rayburn. D-D-D-D-D. Is he a good dude, at least? Great nice dude. Guy? Don't okay. go don't go into it. Don't go into it thinking he's gonna be bad or it'll be an Angel Hernandez type of situation. Oof. As soon as there's a borderline call, you'll go, you'll go, oh man. <laughs> See, this is why we can't tweets are gonna be coming out. Bad umpire, blah, blah, blah. We told you. Go into it. Go into it with an open mind, but know that the unders. If you're if you're tailing if you're tailing Scotty and you want a little extra cash, I feel like the under is going to be hitting here because it's going to be a large strike zone, which goes in the favor of the pitchers. Another reason I went plus four and a half. But what mm. I would encourage, what I would encourage, I want fans, guys who are on the chat right now, girls who are on the chat right now, tell us what you think is going to happen, and we'll keep receipts and we'll talk about it after the game. I love okay. receipts. I like it. I'm I'm expecting 95% accuracy or better. It's the World Series. If we can't got, have mm. guys behind home plate that are 95% plus, I got a problem. Someone asked they last get this night. Far off. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. On, on on Twitter, we got a question last night. I, I I told them I don't know the answer. I'll try and find out. They were like, "What exactly goes into the decision making of who is behind home plate for each World Series game?" And I said, "I know there's a reward system because I think the question was asked because technically Rayburn." was ranked 75, right? Is that what the tweet was that was thrown out there out of 91? Out of 92? 91? Okay, I thought it was 92. So he's bottom, bottom what, 10 percentile of umps behind the plate, and he's starting behind the plate. That also, he's got so much pressure on him because that's going to be talked about everywhere. And you're right. When he makes some bad calls, the world is going to flip the fuck out and say, why do we not have the seven best Dude, if you don't want guys going consistently back to back or whatever, we should have the the top whatever guys, seven guys, five guys, something like that behind home plate, calling balls and strikes for the biggest moment of the season. Agree, agreed. But I also Period. think there's, I think it is a so the way it was explained to me, and this is not, 
I wish I had the official wording of how it is. It's not a merit-based getting into the World Series. It's based on kind of a rotating guys who have, guys who haven't. But an unnamed umpire told me that there is some merit in there, and it's more based on how you handle situations. Like when you make a mistake, this guy said, when you make a mistake, because it's not if you make a mistake, it's when, how did you handle it? Because they want those guys on the biggest stage so we don't have a situation where somebody misreads a situation, makes a mistake, and then, boom, throw somebody out or, like, can't handle the spotlight kind of thing. And so while it's not merit-based, which it should be in my opinion, it is – there is some merit in how you handle yourself throughout the season. Okay, well, first off, that sounds like an anonymous source, which I love. <laughs> oh, God, he Tell that anonymous source, thank you. <laughs> wow. But second of all, Kratz, good. I like that reputation and how you handle yourself in a big moment is important because it's a PR disaster if you kick Marcus Simeon or um, Cattell Marte, whatever, right? Like a star out of the game because you were wrong on a call. They were right. Then you... And they got hot. You know, yeah, they they smack their bat down and you're like, fuck it. This is my world. Like, no, no, no egos in the World Series. That's not your job. But layer two is we can find the happy medium of that plus the dudes that call the game right. And also, guess what? I bet you if we look at the top 10 most accurate home plate umps this year calling balls and strikes, they're not the ones that are getting into it with players. Why do I think that? They're wrong a lot less. Yep. Mm -hmm. True. Totally. And you're going to have a lot less situations where that goes down. But like Teddy Barrett Barrett was not one of the better – home plate balls and strikes guys, but how he handled it is the reason I think he was in, I want to say seven world series, but now that that sounds like a high number. So, but that's why he was getting, cause they, they get these series. They get like, if you were in a national league championship series, you will not get the world series national league or American league championship series. You won't get it. If you're in this a sounds like everyone series, has a metal shit. Kind of, but it's like, you know, it's, it's a, it's more of a case of the union protects his guys. So everybody kind of gets it. And that, that is my, that's my biggest thing. Wherever we go with the automated umpires, the challenge system, whatever it's going to be, let's just make it merit-based. And you know what? It will elevate everything. I think it'll even elevate their financial situation, but it's going to ax some dudes that probably shouldn't be there or have to figure something out. Like some people are like, oh, well, he's a tall umpire. He can't call the low strike. Okay. I'm a tall hitter. I can't hit. If I was shorter, would I be able to hit? I don't know, but you got to figure it out if you want to stay. Yeah, that that's not an excuse. That's like, uh, oh, uh, that's like, oh, this pitcher's taller, so he's built to last better. Like, you know, he gets judged in the draft differently, right? Like a like a, right. a five eight righty versus a six five righty or something. Like, okay, that's life. Oh well, sorry about it. Like, try to adjust. Or if they can't call pitches as well, then they don't deserve to be there. You can't do everyone gets a medal. Like, hey, the players. You guys were in a union, right? Like in a players' union, right? Some players make more money. Some players get more awards. But that's okay. That's how life works. That's how competition works. You can't be doing a reward system because you, you've been there and you put in the time. There's, that's got to be something else. Like You can get paid maybe for that, right? But when it comes to the most important time in our sport, if there is so much human element involved, best people, period. Period. No doubt. And that's Pat it. Oberg would be behind the plate every single game. That dude would get seven, <laughs> seven games behind the plate. But, hey, it doesn't happen that way. Nope. What you got on your head? Oh, Blue Jay. I don't know if it was the Memorial Day, what it was. I was up and down so many times. Nice. I like Ooh, that. little Blue Love Jay cam, uh, digital camo back from 2014. It is so sharp. It makes me makes me feel like a hunter. I'm going to kill something. I'm going to kill That's my lot. That's what I'm going to kill. <laughs> That's one of my favorite hats. That one's really nice. Yeah, I, like I agree. That. It's Matches unique. your skin tone. All right. Um, shout out to Boog Shambi, who top father knows well too he's calling his first uh, world series yeah. on the radio for espn have Let's fun go, go crush it boog and then you'll see us three post game 
uh, Saturday post game, we'll have Rockstar, Brock Holt, Kipnis, and myself. So get ready for the whole cast of FT characters on these post game shows. We'll see you then. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.